you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 2. The Lord's changed my message, so we won't have anything on the wall. I'm just going to preach off the wall. Amen, no. But uh, Luke chapter 2, uh, I had uh, planned on preaching the rest of Luke chapter 1, and the Lord changed that message. And then I had another message I was going to uh, preach, and I hope I'm not getting fickled in my old age, but uh, the Lord didn't give me peace about that. So I must not follow the outline. I must follow God's line. Amen. And so I'm not going to let the um, uh, outline that I prepared on the, for, the, uh, for you to see dictate what I'm going to preach. But I'm going to preach on the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, three Christmas messages is found in this text. And the song goes right along with this message. And that was another confirmation. But, uh, you know, this holiday season, uh, for some people, are a very depressing time. Uh, there's more suicides between... Uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas than any other time of the year. And I don't really understand that because I've never been that depressed, but some people have been. But they get caught up in all the festivities and they get caught up in all the pain uh, maybe of of um, loved ones that are not with them any longer. And um, they uh, forget what this holiday is all about. They forget the message of Christmas. And so that's what I want us to preach on tonight is that there's three messages found in the Christmas story. And we're going to read verses 1 through 20. I want you to all stand and help me read. Well, I'll read one verse, you read the other, and then you'll say that you've been able to read the Christmas story. And um, we always do this um, before we open gifts on Christmas morning. And uh, we um, have the children, uh, when they were little, come to the bed and We'd read the story and explain to them that all the gifts were from, from Jesus and the Lord. And then they'd run in there and um, be uh, excited about all the gifts. But the greatest gift is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, we need to pray for those that's going through a tough time during this year that's lost loved ones. I can't get off my heart of the young man, 26 years old, that died tragically uh, and um Stephen had to preach the funeral, and they still hadn't got the autopsy back, so they don't know uh, what caused this sudden death. Well, they know what caused the sudden death. They're just trying to clarify it. But can you imagine what the parents are going through and what you'd be going through uh, at this time of year? And, you know, of course, the Henderson family and the uh, Braswell family, great men of God, that's went on to be the Lord, um, and they were... Um, Publishing the gospel, both of them, around the world. What a blessing. So I'll read the first and you'll read the second and, and we'll read it uh, responsibly uh, and responsibly. It says, It came to pass in those days that there was went out a decree from Caesar Augusta that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing... And they all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and 
laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph, and they lying in the manger. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Amen. You may be seated. Father, thank you for this wonderful account of the most important, uh, one of the most important events in history. It's when you came to us, Emmanuel, God with us. And Lord was born in a little manger, a little feed trough outside behind the uh, inn or wherever it might have been. And Lord, you was born to die and you died that we might live. God, we thank you that there was a shadow of a cross over the cradle. And God, there was a cross before you as you set your face, as Isaiah said, like a flint towards Calvary your whole life. And God, thank you for the messages that we find in this passage. And God, may we listen, not just a little Christmas story, but God, may we listen and remember uh, this great night. And God, may we get the message that these angels, uh, God, that these shepherds and even this innkeeper uh, gave to us on that night. And we're going to praise you and thank you for helping us make more room for you in this season, God, may it be a holy priority, uh, the gift of Christmas, Jesus Christ. And Lord, use our lives for your glory and help us, God, to be one that proclaims your birth, your life, your death, your burial, your resurrection, even your ascension and your soon coming. And we'll thank you and praise you for the privilege. Please bless this message for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice three messages real quick tonight. Uh, first of all, I want you to see in verse 10 through 14, the heavenly choir preached a message. You know, I appreciate songs like Brother Jeremy sang tonight, Miss Sarah sang this morning with a message. You know, there's a lot of 7-Eleven songs in this contemporary movement. It's uh, seven words repeated 11 times. 
And, you know, it's not much message to it, amen? And it's just a lot of emotion and a lot of rhythm, and uh, that's fine. But I want to tell you something. What really counts is the message, the message in song. I believe in Christ's honor music that glorifies God doesn't just move the emotions of a person. But I want you to see this message of peace. You know, if we've ever needed peace, we need it now. We need peace in our heart. We need peace in our soul. We need peace. And you know, the first thing that I see in verse 10 is the angel said to them, fear not. I believe we ought to fear the Lord. And if we fear the Lord, we don't need to fear anything else. If we fear the Lord, he, he accomplishes peace in our heart that passes all understanding And folks, I believe with all my heart, God can give us peace and God can give us grace. We have a message that will bring peace to the broken heart. As I watched the two funerals, and that was two and a half hours Saturday and Friday and an hour Saturday morning, uh, I was noticing the the widows and uh, how God gave them peace. I was noticing the children, how God gave them peace. Because this, these great men of God had died right, but they'd lived right, and they finished right. And it was, it's, just, it's just amazing, the peace of God that passes understanding. God removes fear, and the thing we need not fear is death. Amen? Uh, the Bible says, precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. The Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. It's a passageway. Uh, It's a far better place, Philippians chapter 1 says in verse 21. To live as Christ, to die as what? To gain. And John 14 says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And so, first of all, I want you to see it was a soothing message. Things like death and hell should not be feared if you're saved. Satan and even life. And you know, without Christ, I would be afraid to face tomorrow. Without Christ and without the Holy Spirit giving me direction and comfort and peace um, and a message that, that would soothe my heart in the time of panic or pouting or being pitiful when we ought to be praising God. And I'm amazed as I was thinking about those parents with that young man. Uh, and I know they're close to the Lord. But you know something? They'll need the peace of God more than they'll ever need it. And every Christmas, they'll need the peace of God. And so it's a soothing message. But number two, and most important of all, it's a salvation message. Look at verse 10, the last half of that verse. It says, For I bring unto you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now, I believe in a whosoever will. Amen? I'm not a Calvinist, and I don't even know one, I don't think. But I want to tell you something, they're dead wrong if if they think that some are predestined to go to hell and some are predestined to go to heaven. Folks, we're predestined to be like Christ after we get saved. That's the predestination about it. God has called us to be like him. That's why Romans 8, 28, and 29 are together. All things work together to make us more like him. And God knows what it takes to make us more like him. I pray that this pandemic will make this nation more like him and please him. Uh, We need to pray for mercy because we deserve worse than all that we've got. And folks, listen, I don't know about everything about it, but I know one thing, God's allowed it, 
for a reason, that he might get the glory and that we might draw closer to God and that we might see that we need revival. Amen? There's no doubt about it. This country needs revival. <clears throat> I mean, we're living in a day and age, and it's shocking to me that elementary <clears throat> and middle school kids are thinking about homosexuality and lesbianism. And, you know, in my day and age, that, that wasn't thought about. Amen? Um, we, we, uh, we, we, it didn't cross our mind that we might need to be something else. You know, we were all boy. Matter of fact, we're too much boy. We got in trouble. I'll never forget one time I got caught uh, in uh, class in the middle school uh, uh, throwing this um, boy out the window. And it was a it was a low window, and it was a high you know it was a wide window. But we thought we'd just uh, take this guy, and he was on our soccer team, and we were just fooling around, and and we had him halfway out the window when the teacher came back. And I want to tell you something: when he he screamed at us, we dropped him, dropped him on his head. That's about as bad as we ever got. Amen. I remember I got two two straps with a. Uh, the coach's office and got a leather strap and he gave me two two lashes and I mean I, I I almost cried like a baby and I was in the sixth I was in the seventh grade and uh, the reason I got those that whipping was I threw a spitball uh, and I had it behind my back so I thought I was clever and I threw it like that and that guy caught me and took me in the office and whooped me for throwing a spitball and now we have sixth graders and fifth graders. That are that are questioning their their uh, sex and their their uh, femininity and uh, how they were born and how they should act and and it shocks me that we're living in such an age and it's going to get worse when they see the vice president endorse it and have same sex marriages it's going to be the a trend in America and folks I want to tell you something. When all this is breaking loose and everything's getting a little darker, we need the great soothing message of fear not. I believe one reason we ought to not fear not is because I believe the Lord's coming soon. I believe we're in the last days. How many believe that? Say amen. I believe the trump of God could sound before New Year's Eve. Amen. And you know, sometimes we lose our peace and we lose our joy because we can't have supper on New Year's Eve or something. You just don't feel peace about it. Y'all can go ahead and have your own supper. But, um, you know, it's good. To, it, it, it's, it's, it's fear not. <clears throat> Jesus removes the fear of death, hell, Satan, and even life. <clears throat> I know I can face tomorrow because I have this promise. Fear not. And then I see also it says, it's a salvation message, good tidings. Uh, that means good news. And the greatest news that I've ever heard in my life was Jesus died for me. And three days later, he receded it all when he paid my debt by coming out of that grave and being resurrected. And folks, it's, it's good tidings. It's good news. It's great joy to all people. That's universal, whosoever will. And it's unto you, it's personal. I personally got saved on March 15, 1964 as an 11 and a half year old, almost 12 year old little boy. 
and I'll never forget it. It was a wonderful night. And now I don't have to fear dying. I don't have to fear going to hell because I received the good news, the gospel, the power unto salvation. And so I see this angelic heavenly choir bringing a message of peace and a message of salvation. I want you to look at it very closely. It says, um, I bring unto you good tidings of great joy which shall be in all people for unto you, personal, verse 11, is, uh, is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Don't ever get over the word Savior. That means deliverer. Uh, it pictures him as, a, as the sacrifice on the cross, the Lamb of God taking your sin debt and paying it in full. And by the way, his blood is enough. God helped the religionists and the occult that say you have to work or add to salvation. It's by grace that you're saved. Can somebody say amen? And then I see Christ, a Savior, which is Christ. The word Christ means anointed one. It means the Son of God. It's picturing him as a fulfillment of every promise and every prophecy in the Old Testament. Uh, there's a ribbon of blood all through the Old Testament that leads to Calvary. And folks, that's what Hebrews is about. There's a greater sacrifice. There's a greater high priest. Amen. He's the Savior. There's nobody like him. And folks, here's the message from the heavenly choir. He's Savior, he's Christ, and then he's Lord. It says Lord. Now, he's a sovereign God. I hope that term don't bother you. He is a sovereign God the one to be served, worshipped, and adored, and trusted. And this stuff did not catch God off guard. If the election was uh, stolen, God was not caught off guard. If the pandemic lasts another year, God's not going to be caught off guard. And folks, I want to tell you something. He's still on the throne no matter how bad it gets or how dark it gets. He's still the light of the world. And praise God, we can walk in the light as he's in the light and have fellowship one with another because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin and have peace and have a salvation that's, that's so wonderful. Uh, Jesus is called a Savior. Uh, he's not an example. He's not just a, a teacher. He's, he's a Savior. If our greatest need had been for information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. Trust the scientists. I've heard that a lot, and we all do. If our, our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. We got plenty of them. If our greatest need had been military, God would have sent a soldier. But our greatest need, our greatest need, had been for justice, God would have sent a judge. But our greatest need was for forgiveness and redemption. And therefore, God sent a Savior. What a message that these angels brought, uh, these shepherds. It was, a, it was a, not only a, um, a soothing message and a salvation message, but it was a showing message. Look at verse 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, what baby's born in a trough? 
I think you can find a better place in your house than to put your baby in a trough outside with the dogs and the cattle or whatever you might have. But folks, our Lord went to an end because Mary and Joseph were very poor. Uh, they couldn't afford to uh, have the bed and breakfast uh, because they didn't have the money to stay in somebody's house, as the custom was. The inn was kind of a low-rent place. But God went a step further to show his humility. The innkeeper wouldn't even let him in, and he went out back to an old cave or stable and born in a stinking trough or a stinking stable in a feed trough. There might have still been oaks and, and uh, whatever in that trough. But I'm sure Mary tried to make it as clean as possible. And she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And so here's the showing. He pointed the way to these, these uh, angels, this heavenly choir pointed the way to Jesus. And he said, there will be a sign given to you. You'll find him wrapped in a swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, they could not miss that. There's not many babies born in a trough. And so they went to Bethlehem. That's the house of bread. It's appropriate place for the bread of life to be born. And folks, that was predicted 913 years before Jesus was even born by Micah. Micah chapter 9, verse 2, maybe 5, verse 2. 5 2, I believe. He said to be born in Bethlehem, and taxes brought them to Bethlehem. Don't you love when the Bible's fulfilled exactly? And this is the only book that will be fulfilled exactly. And then, last but not least, about the heavenly choir, the message, it was a shouting message. Look at verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, and I don't believe they were just doing it half hearted. I like a choir that rears back and sings. Amen? Rears back. Well, I mean, leans forward even. But it says, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. I don't know how many angels were singing that, but it got those old shepherds' attention, I guarantee you. And they were shaking in their sandals. I guarantee you. And folks, I want to tell you something. The angels praised their creator. And praise God. He said, glory to God in the highest. And peace on earth. Uh, uh, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards man. And folks, I believe that goodwill is God's will. And thank the Lord for the message from the heavenly host. And then second of all, I'll be very brief tonight, unless I get caught up in one of these points. I see a humble shepherd the humble shepherds preached a message. And so there was a deliverance of the message of peace, but here's a message of praise. You know, I believe we ought to praise God. I believe we ought to praise God for every breath. And folks, I hope we don't wait till we're tr losing our breath before we praise God for breath. I thank God that we can get out of bed today and walk, Brother Bobby, and take one step. We ought to praise God for every step. We ought to praise God for our wife and her patience that lives with us. We ought to praise God for the husbands in here. We ought to praise God for the children. We ought to praise God for the roof over our head. We're trying to find out what the needs are for that uh, uh, family that was burnt out yesterday or day before yesterday on the bus route. Not a part of our bus ministry, but it's on our trail to be a blessing. 
And so get us the sizes. The folks as shepherds were considering the social outcasts. They were the low rung. Their duties made them unclean, and the fact is they were unable to come to the temple for many weeks at a time uh, because they were out uh, keeping the sheep. And I love Luke 19.10 where it says, The Lord's come to seek and to save those who are lost. And here's the picture, and here's the message. It's a message of praise, but it, it was a message of obedience. Look at verse 15. And it came to pass that the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let us now go even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they were grateful that the Lord made known to them that there was a Savior in an old stable outside the inn in the town of the bread, Bethlehem. And so the message was a message of obedience. Uh, these shepherds were preaching a message. that Sacrifice is good, but praise God, the most important thing is obedience. Men need to heed the message from heaven and come and see the Lord and taste and see that he is good. They say one of the most horrible things, and some of y'all have been there and done that, one of the most horrible things about this COVID thing is you lose your taste and you lose your smell. And that's pretty bad, amen? And folks, I want to tell you something. I know I haven't got it yet because I love food, and I love to eat food, amen? In fact, I sent my wife for a pot pie uh, today, and we ate that pot pie, and I said, hey, and while you're there, Get a couple of chicken legs for supper, amen. So I've already got tonight planned. I get home, I got some chicken, amen. It's Kentucky Fried Chicken. You say, is it is it pure? Yeah, it's pure as it get, amen. It's Kentucky Fried Chicken. And so I know that I got it, but you know, it's, it's, it's a shame that we're losing our taste for the things of God. That's why this pandemic is very, very dangerous. If you stay out of church about six or seven months, you might lose your taste for coming to church. And some people will never come back. And, that's a, and, that, and that breaks my heart. But folks, there's a message of obedience. Um, the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says, If you'll come unto him, he'll no wise cast you out. Um, there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Folks, there's only one way to be saved, and that's come to Jesus. Find Jesus. Then there's a message of opportunity in verse 17. It says, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that they heard it wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. The shepherds. It's a message of opportunity to spread the word of God, not just keep sheep, but to reach the lost sheep. Praise God and be a shepherd to sheep. And it was a spiritual realm that came into their life. And I thank God for the purpose of being a Christian. And that's to glorify God and reach others. And thank God we ought to realize there's a message here in this Christmas message. It's a message of obedience. You need to go and find the Lord. You need to turn from your sins and trust the Lord. But it's a message of opportunity. And after they got saved, boy, they went out and became witnesses and glorified God. And then it was an overwhelming message. Look at verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen and as it was told unto them. Folks, there's an overwhelming message. I want to tell you what it is. It's a life-changing message. 
the Christmas story is not just a little story that you read your children before they go get their gifts. It's a message that the Lord can change your life. And the Lord can change anyone's life and that God can give you a life of abundancy. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You actually become in union with your creator through Jesus. The first Adam sinned. The second Adam took your sin. And what the first Adam ruined, thank God the second Adam restored. And folks, we have a way back. We have a way into fellowship. We have a way to be in union with our creator. And folks, what better life could there be than his creation be in union and communion with his creator? Folks, what a life. It's overwhelming to me to think about being saved. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, it shows you where, how God found you. And it's a wonderful passage of Scripture. And we take it for granted. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, where the Lord found you. He says, who hath quickened, and you hath he quickened who were dead in their trespasses and sin. You were dead. You were dead. Spiritually. You were not alive unto God's will, good will towards man. You were not alive to God's peace. You were not alive to God's joy and God's purpose. You were just old shepherds out there trying to keep up with some sheep, and the Lord intercepted your life and brought you a heavenly message, a life-changing message. And somewhere, somehow, you heard the gospel, and the gospel changed your life when you received the death, burial, and resurrection so much that you passed from death unto life, John 5, 24. Look at verse 2. Where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power there, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You was a puppet of hell. Can I repeat that? You were a puppet of hell. It says you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air. You know what's so wonderful? When you get saved, you break the cords of sin. You break the control of sin in your life. You break the devil's dominion and the flesh dominion. And praise God, you're free. And you're free indeed because the truth has set you free. But you're free in the Spirit. And where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty not to live like you want to, but to live like God wants you to. And folks, in the will of God, there's freedom. And we ought to at least smile about it. Amen. It's freedom from the fear of the future. It's freedom from this dark, dismal, confused world. Have you ever, ever heard so much confusing rhetoric called politics in your life? I mean, I don't know what in the world's going on, and they don't either. But praise God, I know one who does. And I ain't, I'm not going to bow down to their whims. I'm going to live for God no matter what it takes. And that may become a light, a city set up on a hilltop. And folks, remember, no matter how bad the situation might get, God is greater than all your problems. Because look at Ephesians 2 again. Uh, I shouldn't have ch- turned from there. I wasn't finished with that because I'm building up to one verse. But Ephesians chapter 2. Y'all still there, thank God. But it says, it says, for your dead and your sins and trespasses, you walk according to the course of the world. Remember when you was a slave to sin? 
I don't mean you'd have to be a drug addict either. You're just an addict to the flesh. And verse 3 says, among also, listen, it says, and among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh. You lived by whatever fulfilled your lust, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God. Isn't that wonderful? What a divine conjunction. But God, who is rich in what? Mercy. For his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, listen now, hath even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace are you saved. That means you're brought to life. You're brought to life. What a life-changing message the angels brought, the heavenly host brought the shepherds. And what a life-changing message the shepherd had of um, praise to God that they couldn't keep it to themselves. They couldn't just go back to the hillside. They had to go uh, tell it on the mountain, tell it in the valley. And they got a greater call. Aren't you glad you got a greater call than just to make money, just to be successful, or just to be satisfied, or just to be entertained, or just to be happy? God's called you to be holy, and God's called you to be a, a voice crying in the wilderness, and God's called you like shepherds to go out and say, I was dead, but God raised me from the dead. I don't know why it's so hard for us not to be witnesses for God after he raised us from the dead. I don't believe Lazarus had a problem praising God publicly. He was dead and then he was alive. He told everybody. Matter of fact, the Lord uh, said, don't go publish all this to many of the people that he healed and, and their eyesight restored. And it was a test. They couldn't help themselves. They told everybody. We ought to tell everybody. But look at this. I'll close. Even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, hath quickened us together with Christ by the grace of your sake, and has raised us up together and, be, and were made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Your home is heaven, and your residence is heaven, and you're already in heaven, positionally speaking. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, we're his display. We're the frame that he displays himself in and through, as I preached this morning. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. I had to read that whole uh, 10 verses to get to, to remind you that when God found you, you wasn't doing pretty good. When God saved you, you wasn't just trying to be some good person, and he made you a better person. No, you were dead in your sins and trespasses, you didn't have a hope, and God saved you and brought you to life. And you should go out and tell the world. And you ought to go out and publish it. 
So it was an overwhelming message. It was a message of obedience. It was a message of opportunity. And last but not least, I see one more message. I see a hard-hearted innkeeper preach a message of rejection. Look at verse 7 in closing. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in a swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Mary just wanted a room to have a baby in. And that inn keeper probably should have gave him his room or made room or kicked somebody else out, but he had no room. And so, folks, here's a message that he preaches in the, in the Christmas story. It's a message of sadness. No room for Jesus. No room for Jesus. What's it going to take for our country to come back to God? And what's it going to take for some of us to sell out to God? And the crowd of the day is crucifying. There's a spirit of antichrist going on in America and all around the world. Antichrist spirit. We're in a post-Christian era, which I never thought we'd be in, in the United States of America, one nation under God. And folks, I want you to know that we're in the minority in our country. And folks, there's no room in our life. We should lay aside everything that so easily besets us and the sin that so easily besets us. We need to run the race that God has called us to run. And it's sad when you miss the will of God. I have met people, and we have been reminded in our family just in the last few days that there's people that are wasting their life. And they don't they not only look bad, they're living bad. And they're not going to live long because they are wasting their life on some chemicals, Brother Larry, to try to escape reality. Trying to find peace in drugs. In loose living and immoral living. And they they were raised in Christian homes. And it's so sad that there's no room. There's no room. And then there's a message of sorrow. When there's no Jesus, there's no hope. I'm going to tell you the cure for this suicide and all this is going on in this world today is they need Jesus. Because Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our peace. Jesus should be our purpose. And so therefore it's not about us. We have no right to take our own life. We have no right to rule our own life. We have no right to dictate our life. He, he, it, I preached this morning... He's the Lord. He's the Lord God. And we're His temple. We're His tool. We're His tabernacle. We're His vessel. This man had no room. And then last but not least, it's a message of separation. The innkeeper had a warm, secure bed that night, I can imagine. Jesus lying in a dirty, filthy manger. The innkeeper's rejection prevailed him to... uh, or prevented him from knowing the joy that these old shepherds experienced. They came and worshipped the Lord. He missed it. He really missed the joy of worship, the joy of peace, the joy of goodwill towards men. He missed it 
He missed it because without Jesus, there is no life. And he's laying in his comfortable bed, no room in the inn, no room in his heart. One day he'll burn in eternal hell if he didn't get saved. And wish to goodness he'd have found Jesus that night. So here's the message. It's a message of rejection. But thank God it don't have to be a message of rejection. It can be a message of praise and a message of peace that you receive. So receive the message from the angels. And then receive the message from the shepherds. And get the message from the innkeeper because he's probably burning in hell tonight with regret, regret, regret. Remembering and remembering and remembering that he could have made room for Jesus. And he could have had peace. And he could have had a life that was praiseworthy, but there was no room. Let's pray. Father, use this message. God, thank you, dear God, that we can see in this Christmas story a powerful message, a message of peace and goodwill towards men, a message of deliverance, that He's the Lord, that He's the Savior, He's Christ the Lord, and that He's sovereign, and that He's still on the throne. Lord, thank You. And God, thank You, Lord, for the peace that passes understanding and misunderstanding. And thank You for the power becoming the sons of God because we make room for you and believe in you and receive you and become sons of God, born into the family of God. And God forbid that we don't get, the, we have the message of the innkeeper that there's just no room. God help us to make room. And help us to crown you as Lord of our life, King of kings. Lord, I pray this afternoon that you'd be with those parents over in coming. That you'd be with the loved ones of Brother Henderson and Brother Carl Braswell. That you'd be with the Lance family and what they're going through with a mom and a brother that's recently went on to be with the Lord. Would you be with every family that's grieving? God, would you be with every family that has a child that seemingly has no room for you? God, help us as we witness. God, we work with people that have no room. There's just no, there's no uh, spear of, of reality in their life towards Christ. They're too wrapped up in the tinsels and trinkets of this world. Lord, they're lost. They're lost. They're going to hell. God, we're called to reach them. So God, give us a message of peace. Give us a message of hope. Give us a message by faith, by the grace of God, that we might be your workmanship because you delivered us from death, hell, and the grave, and we're yours. So Lord, please help us receive the Christmas messages in the Christmas story this evening. And we'll praise you for the opportunity to live for you. With every head bowed, every eye closed. And we say, Preacher, tonight.
I know some people that are missing it. I mean, they are missing it. They can call themselves atheists. They can call themselves agnostic. They can call themselves busy. They can call themselves unbelievers. But I'll tell you what they're, they're called. They're called lonely and distant and dead in their sins and trespasses. And only the grace of God will quicken them. And they need your testimony. They need your Christmas message that you have room for God and that you're going to put God first, that you are going to crown Christ Jesus Lord of your life. You'd say, preacher, there's somebody in my life, there's somebody on my job, there's somebody in my school, there's somebody in my neighborhood, there's some relative that I am burdened for. And they are living beneath their privilege. And they're going to die in their sins and go to hell if something doesn't change and that means that they get saved. And I want you to pray with me for them. That's the Christmas message tonight. Others, would you slip your hand on their behalf up to heaven and say, Dear God, I can't reach them on my own. Yes, 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 yes. All over this place. Somebody else say, Preacher, God's laid some work made on my life. God's saved a nephew on my life. God's put a niece on on my heart. God's put somebody in my neighborhood on my heart, in my family, and I want to reach them, and I want you to pray with me for them. Would you raise your hand on their behalf? I see those hands. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you for bringing us the message of the gospel, the powerful gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection. And Lord, I just thank you so much. Oh, I thank you so much for a mother that kept me in church when I was a kid. On that night when I got saved, I thank you that I received that message because many, many years in my life I've been brought to Sunday school and church. It was under the sound of the powerful gospel and you used that message to change my life. God, may we be the messengers like the shepherds. May we be the messengers which the word angel means messenger. May we preach that message of peace and may we proclaim that message of salvation to our friends before it's too late. To our children. All the loved ones around us. I'm going to praise you and thank you for using us. Not only that we receive the Christmas message, but that we'll give it out. We'll share it. We'll shout it out and bring it to lost and dying world through a changed, consecrated, holy life. Well, thank you. In Jesus' name.